Hi, this is Kay Francis Scott with a podcast by the name of Use Everything. The name of this story is What I Learned at the County Convention, being a reading from the book of pronouns, I, she, he, and we, they. Here we go. We ran into each other just outside the door of the annual meeting of our party's political convention. I was struck by her words. I figure about two years. I got about two years. She's a tough bird. Turkey. Well, buzzard more like. Actually, owlish. She stood round, rotund, wearing maroon knit slacks and a matching top, long-sleeved, no makeup, hair gray, untouched. She is just shy of unkempt. Not quite. She rides that line, huffing and puffing beside me up the short flight of stairs to the media center where our political candidate's supporters are gathering to caucus. We both live once again in the same small town where we grew up, so we've known each other since childhood. Her husband died many years ago. I ask her about his death. She tells me he died when he was only 27. He had rheumatoid arthritis. He was in the hospital undergoing pre-op tests before hip replacement surgery when something happened with his heart and he slipped into a coma. She said he lasted in this comatose state for about six weeks and finally slipped away. Up until then, I was mom, you know. Then I was everything. He was a financial advisor, so we had our affairs in order. We'd already decided if something happened to one of us, the other one wouldn't move, wouldn't leave where we lived then. So I stayed in Wisconsin for 10 years. We had great neighbors who were so good to me and the boys. One small story of this small town. Her husband's older brother fell in love with and married a young woman from a prominent local Catholic family. I sang at their wedding held at 6 a.m. on a weekday morning when they were just graduated from high school. I was a sophomore at the time. She was pregnant and had left her parents' home. Whether she was banished by them or she fled, I don't remember, but she was in residence, so to speak, at her aunt and uncle's home just down the road from her parents. It was agreed and planned as follows. The day of the wedding would be decided by the bride and groom, depending on factors I've forgotten. But those of us who would attend would be telephoned in the morning early of the very day their wedding would occur. We were all alerted to this and sworn to secrecy. The day happened. The morning arrived when my mother woke me at 5.30 a.m. and said, get up, today's the day, you have to sing. And so I did sing at their wedding, after which they moved to Colorado, lived a long life together in a very happy marriage, and raised their child. I'm telling you this many years later, decades in fact. Both this bride and groom have passed from the earth and gone to their next port of call, so to speak. But then, these were dramatic events, young, fated love, right there among my classmates' older siblings, and I was part of the drama. How the blood and the imaginations ran wild then. Our whole lives seemed fashioned around these feelings of so-called romantic love, and our fates and futures dictated, cast in stone, by our feelings for this or that man or woman, fated. 
Years later, in therapy, I tell my analyst, everything was soaked in blood. Everything was inevitable. If you loved someone, all choice vanished. There was no choice. You had to be with that person because you couldn't live without that person, and it was fated. I ran, I told her. I was terrified, and I didn't want that, that awful feeling of inevitability. I didn't want it. But of course, I only see that now, 40 or so years later, in hindsight. But that was what I ran from, that sense of inevitability, of being out of control. But more than that, under a spell almost, fate intervenes, and suddenly, I have no say. That was how it seemed in Sigrid Unset's steamy, relentless trilogy of life in medieval Europe, Kristen Lovren's Daughter, which I read with relish in eighth grade. She was a convert to Catholicism and paraded it through their crappy castle life in medieval Europe, placing her peasants and working people in Catholic, inevitable, steamy, sin and redemption situations that were both totally engaging to my imagination and sense of love and fatedness of feeling. And that also reinforced the whole notion that once love entered the picture, choice was taken away, period, no choice. And all of this rumbling and rumination initiated today by this woman's relating of her congestive heart disease. Her sons are grown, and she has grandchildren. She calls the hospital to relay her condition and check in every day, she tells me. Yep, two years, she says again. I figure I got two years. And she nods, owl-like, and we collect our belongings and leave the auditorium. More later.